Bless the Lord. Can you turn to Acts chapter 12? And we're going to read from God's Word. I love the reading of God's Word publicly. I think it's biblical. It's good. We're going to read it together. Acts chapter 12. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. And when he saw um, this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the sentry stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and the light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, "Put your clothes and oh, put your clothes, put on your clothes, sorry, and sandals." And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and the second guards and came to an iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself. And when they went through it, when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, and also called Mark, and where the people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. She kept insisting that it was so. They said it must be his angel. But Peter kept knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter mentioned that our motion with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and they left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to which had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough made search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered them to be executed. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. And he was quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They joined together and sought with an audience with him. And after securing the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for food and supply. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his robes, sat at the throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, this is the voice of God and not of man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God continued to spread and flourish. 
When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Father, this morning, Lord, I pray you will help me to deliver your word, and I pray that that word will bring encouragement and blessing to the hearts of your children. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, Herod the Great had tried to kill Jesus. His son slew John the Baptist, now the grandson. He now had killed and slayed, taken the head off the servant James of God. And now we're reading at this part of the passage that now he's after Peter. He's taken Peter into custody. And after the Passover, he's going to bring him out and probably will find that, or would have found, that he would go to the same fate as James would have done as well because of the fact that he was trying to please the Jewish people. Peter must have been some threat to these guys that they had to put 16 guards to guard one man. And that's why I don't know about you, but I want to live in such a way that I'm a wee bit of a threat to the enemy. That he has to maybe put up a wee bit of fight sometimes because I want to try and live in a way that will bring honor to glory to God. Not a backseat life for Christianity, but right there in the front, doing my best to see the kingdom of God expanded in our world today. But we find here Peter, God's servant, lying between two of the guards sleeping. My title this morning is Hemmed In, But Not Out. And maybe today that's how you feel. Maybe you feel a wee bit hemmed in. Maybe there's circumstances that have come into your life just now. Maybe things aren't going as well as you would want them to go. Maybe everything isn't cloudy as you would, or sunny as you would like it to be. And maybe you just feel at the moment that the enemy is throwing absolutely everything he can find at your life today. And maybe you're asking yourself, Lord, what have I done? Why is all this coming to me? How come I'm walking through all this pressure within this day? Church, I want to tell you something. It's a very simple fact. The reason why you get attacked by the enemy of your soul is because he knows that you're working for the lover of your soul. And he knows and he will want to do everything within his power, within his might, to try and discourage you, to get you down, to try and get you off track, to get you away from doing what God has called you to do, to be a part of the family of God, to see other men and women come to the kingdom of God. So he's going to do whatever he could do within his power to try and discourage you from doing the very thing that God wants you to do, and that's to serve him. And I want to say this to you this morning as well, friends. You know this? The greater the calling that God has put on your life, sometimes the greater the attack of the enemy against your life. The enemy will even come and try and whisper into your ear and say, all that you're going through is because God's not for you. I was so glad to get that word from Esther this morning, weren't you? So glad to sing some of those songs this morning to remind us that we are chosen of God, that we are loved by God. Even those words, those testimony words, or the, the speaking in tongues and the interpretations this morning, to let know that God is on our side. He's not against us. He's for us. Because sometimes the enemy will come and he will try to discourage you, pull you apart and bring you down to try and make you think that you're not actually in a good place with God. He doesn't want you to complete your call. Because he knows if you get faithful, other people are going to get delivered. Do you know what I love that about the psalmist David in Psalm 51? Even after he had had the affair, even after all his failure within God, he knew that if he got right with God, that others would come to God. 
And friend, this morning, even though it may seem that there's discouragement in your life, but if you're faithful and you keep going, God will use you to bring others into kingdom life. So stay faithful, stay focused, and get on with the work of God. I know I've mentioned this story so many times, but you know, friends, I love the story of Joseph. I love the story of Joseph. Can you imagine Joseph knowing that God has told him and called him to serve him and to do great and mighty things for him and the mighty things would happen even in his personal life. And yet it would seem to be from the moment that he shares all of those things as even his own family come against him. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, you know, pastor, I can relate to that. Because instead of my family standing and encouraging me in the things of God and to move on in God, it seems like all I get these days is a wee bit of negativity. All I'm getting today is people coming against me. And yet it must have been very, very hard for this young man to know that his own family, the bitterness and the hatred towards him would lead them to that place that they would actually take him and put him down a well. And I'm sure it wasn't gentle. I'm sure this wee fellow was really manhandled and put down the well. And I'm sure, friends, as he was in that well, he was thinking to himself, what on earth did I do? Why would my family turn their backs away? Why would those people who love me, who are close to me, who are supposed to look out for me, why have they turned themselves against me? Then we find Joseph is sold off. And the slavery. Another rejection. Another slap in the face. To see his brothers all standing there as he is taken away to a land that he doesn't know, with people he doesn't know. Can you imagine the sense of rejection and fear that young fellow feels? Then he gets to the place where he's sold into slavery and he seems to be getting a wee bit of roughness. He's getting his foot on the ladder again. He's been very faithful in his master's house. And then you know the story how the master of his house, his wife takes a wee bit of a fancy to him and wants to sleep with him and goes towards him and all of these things. And even though he's doing the right thing, he gets the wrong treatment and he gets thrown into prison. And some of you are sitting here this morning, you know you did the right thing. But what you can't understand today is that you did the right thing and it seems like you were punished for it. You may be rejected by man, but let me tell you this this morning, church. If you were faithful and you've done what God told you to do, you will not be rejected by God. God will honor you. You may not say it at this side of eternity, but you'll definitely say it at the next side of eternity. Be faithful. Stay faithful. Because, you know, friends, at the end of the day, we're not living for the approval of man. We're living for the approval of God. We're living for God singing songs over us. We're living for God to say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Man may not get you, but the Father gets you. Be faithful, even though it might not be what everybody else wants you to do. 
And then when this young lad gets thrown into prison, there he finds favor as well. And God blesses him even in that prison cell. And yet when he comes and he interprets the dreams for the, 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 the baker and for the, the cup bearer, and he hopes that these guys are going to be his way out. He hopes that these guys will remember him and tell everybody about him that his case could be exonified and he can get out of that cell. And yet it took two years, I think it was, for him to be released. Just like one slap in the face after the other. One disappointment after the other. And maybe that's where you're feeling you are today. But friends, can I say to you, although you're getting it hard and you may feel hemmed in and you may feel that everything's against you and everyone's against you, can I encourage you today to stay with it and be faithful because God will honor you. God will fulfill his word. Do whatever God has told you will come to pass because God is not a God who lies. God will do what God said he will do for you. Just keep holding it. No matter what the circumstances, we're not living by our circumstances. We're not living by what we see. Remember, church, we're called to live by faith. We're called to stay faithful and to live by faith to what God has said he would do. And for this young man, there came a day when his dreams came to fulfillment as his family bowed themselves before them, not even recognizing that he was their younger brother and that he had come to a place of authority. But with his authority, instead of using it against those that hurt him, he used it to bless them and to set them free and to deliver them. You see, God is wanting us, church, to be a people who look out for ways to deliver and to bless others. It doesn't matter what we've walked through. No, I'm convinced that the hurts that we give sometimes in life are actually to prepare us for something better in the future. They're to prepare us and make us stronger for what God has for us in our future. Friends, we need to believe God and that God is faithful. Here the night before the trial, we find the servant of God, Peter, asleep between two guards. Now, how many of us are honest enough to say we've had sleepless nights? There's about three or four of us that are honest in the house, yeah? And we've paced the floor. And we're worried about this, and we're worried about the other, and we're thinking this is all coming around us. What am I going to do? And yet the servant of God is sleeping. He knows what was ahead of him. He knew what happened to James at the hand of her. He knew that her took his, James's head clean off him. And friends, he knew what was probably going to face him the next day. I'm not sure about you, but I think I might have been a wee bit anxious. But yet we find the servant of God, as the scriptures say, he's actually sleeping. Why is he sleeping? Friends, I believe he was sleeping and he was in peace because of this. Because there was a group of earnest people praying for him. There was a people who loved him and a people who were really seeking God, earnestly praying for that horrendous situation. I read a thing recently there about um, some missionaries that went to um, a village um, to do missionary work. And for three months, they was like they were hitting their head up against the wall. Nothing was absolutely happening. Um, in the three-tribe village, it was called, and the people were called the clan. And it just seemed to be there was opposition against opposition and against opposition. And these missionaries decided that they were going to leave the next day. They were so downhearted and so discouraged. 
What they didn't know was this. That back in America, from where they were sent out, there was one prayer warrior in the church that was so burdened for them that she rang another prayer warrior in the church and said, I feel for some reason today that we need to sit before God and pray for that couple out there on the mission field. They rang another sister in the church and all three concurred that God was saying to them, you need to pray for this couple today. And all three of them started to pray that God would protect them, would look after them and bless them and encourage them in the work of God. Three months later, because that's how long it took to get the letter to the village, they had sent the letter to say that they were encouraging and prayer, and they were praying that God would give them the breakthrough. That was the day they were supposed to leave. It was the very same day. And on that day, as they got up to give their last message, people started to come up to give their lives to Jesus. Why? Because there were faithful people praying in their circumstance. Church, I want to say this to you this morning. Are you getting it hard? Are you going through the mill? Is life difficult for you this morning? You're trying to be faithful in your service for God, and it seems to be that today everything is going against you. Can I say this to you? You're not an island. You're not an island. We were called to be in community. We were called to do life together. And you know something? The Lord doesn't want you to hide it. The Lord doesn't want you to keep it all to yourself. God wants you to entrust what it is that you're going through to people that you can trust. To ask people to pray for you. To ask people to uphold you in prayer. To see you through those times when you are and can be so vulnerable. I want to say to your church this morning a big thank you. By the way, it's your birthday today. Happy birthday. Your year today. This was the first day you met a year ago. Happy birthday. But I want to pray or say this to you. I want to thank you for those that have stood with Donna and I and the boys over this year and prayed for us. Because church, we wouldn't have got through if it hadn't been for you. And the Lord bless you real good. But you see, that's the importance, church. The importance is this, that we do pray for one another, that we stand with one another and encourage each other on when we go through difficult periods of our life that God sees us through because we're not islands. And maybe today, see that in our struggle? Why don't you just say to somebody that you trust and you love, can you pray with me? Can you pray for me? Because church, that makes such a difference. But in the middle of this, of our brother Peter being hemmed in, God sends an answer to prayer. God sends an angel to command and we see a supernatural God moving in a supernatural way. First of all, he sends the angel and automatically these chains fall off Paul's hands. I think he gives a wee bit of a prod and he says, right boy, come on, get up here, we're going. They pass the guards unnoticed. The very iron gate opens supernaturally before them and he's able to walk out and be absolutely set free all supernaturally by our amazing God. And I think we all need to say, Amen. A supernatural God working on his behalf. And you know, there's always somebody trying to explain something away, isn't there? 
There were those that have said, but listen, the guards were bribed and the guards opened up the door. Did you read the end of the chapter? The end of the chapter says that these men were interrogated and after they were interrogated, they were executed. And that wasn't a one-off occasion. That happened when you lost um, somebody in your charge. That was what was going to happen to you. So if you were bribed, you were going to get out of there before that day. Madeline, I hope I share this wee story right, but Madeline has told us a lovely wee story a couple of times in her life group about, I think it was an Anglican vicar who was telling the story of how Moses brought his people across the Red Sea and how supernatural and how mighty that was and how great that was. And there was one wee woman in the congregation and every time she talked or he talked about what God had done and the miraculous things that the Lord was doing, this wee woman kept on shouting, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And this wee minister was getting a wee bit annoyed and he was because they don't do that in that church. And he was getting a wee bit annoyed at this woman, and he was trying to downplay it. And maybe it was just a job to him rather than a reality. And he actually said at one point, you know something? Listen, don't be getting too excited, because there's one part of the Red Sea, and sometimes it can only go to about six inches. Well, this wee woman got up, and she was down the back of the church, hands in the air, shouting, praise the Lord, hallelujah. This is not amazing. He says, how can that be amazing? And the wee woman said this. The Lord just drowned the whole of the Israel or the Egyptian army in six inches of water. <laughs> Our God is good. <laughs> Our God is mighty. Come with me and look at verse eleven. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. Church this morning, no matter what the enemy wants to do, no matter what the enemy throws at you, no matter who is waiting in the wings, and it's sad to think this, but there are those sometimes that wait in the wings and they want to see our downfall. They want to see things come to nothing in their lives. There are those who will maybe be you know, coming against us and saying things about us, but I want to say this to you this morning. God's still God. And he ordains your steps. And no matter what you go through, church, if the Lord hasn't finished with you yet, if God has still got more for you to do, if God wants you to do what he's called you to do, it doesn't matter who's going to come against you. It doesn't matter who says what to say. It doesn't matter if the devil has a hissy fit. It ain't going to happen. Because God has got all things together in his name and he's got it in control. He ordains every step of your way. Friends, you might feel hemmed in just now, but you're not out. You might feel hemmed in, but you haven't been knocked out when God has got more for you to do. Now, church, you're aware that I said that we all need to have good people praying for us and praying earnestly, and I'm glad we belong to a praying church. Glad that we have a church that loves to pray and will seek God. But we need to be careful as well that they are the people who we ask to pray for us, will pray for us, and will be earnest in their prayers. But we also need to be, have people around us who will earnestly believe. Not just earnestly pray, because there's many a prayer meeting up and down in our country, the breadth of our land, where people will come and pray, but we're asked to believe. What's the point of asking God to do something and we don't believe he's going to do it? 
Because when you read on in this passage, you see, these people were gathered together and they were praying, but they were not expecting, I don't think, Peter to be released. When you think of what happened before, James definitely died. James was beheaded. James really went through the mill and lost his life. I think these people were thinking, it's going to happen again. And even though they were earnestly praying about it and hoping, yet these people, I'm not sure, were really there to believe that God could do something. And then there was a knock on the door. You let me in. And we Rhoda, the wee slave girl, goes and answers that door. When she recognizes Peter's voice, I love this, but when she recognizes Peter's voice, she leaves him standing at the door and she runs right in to the group that's praying and saying, Peter is standing at the door. And everybody's looking at her and saying, you're half cut. You're crazy. See, that's how I know that they didn't really believe that Peter was coming to the door. You can't be serious. And even though they were sitting in the meeting praying, probably that God would release them, and yet when it happens, then they start to try and explain it away. It must be his angel. In other words, what they were saying, it's his ghost. It's already happened. He's been killed, and now it's his ghost standing at the door. And yet they were praying for deliverance. It's the ghost standing at the door. Do you know, sometimes we hear the good shepherd's voice. And the Lord's telling us what is going to happen. And the Lord's telling us that he wants to bless us. The Lord's telling us what he wants to do in our lives. And you know, sometimes we keep him just knocking at the door, as it were. And do you know why sometimes we're afraid to open the door? Because as human beings, we're afraid to believe in case if we believe it doesn't happen and we get disappointed. Christ will never disappoint his church. Might not always do what we want them to do. But here's the reality. God will always do what's best for us. He will only give us what we need. He will only do for us what will enhance us and will be best for us. So friends, answer the door to what God is doing. Don't be afraid of what will happen because God will always see you through. God will always do what is best for you. It may not be packaged the way we would want it to be packaged, but God will never let us down. These people are faced, are telling us regards is crazy. Knowing full well, as I say, the, the severity of the situation is already a goner. These believers looked for a way around it. Yet this simple wee girl saw it and knew it and believed it and reported it and was getting excited all about it. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Church, can I say this to you as we journey in East Point? Never lose our childlike faith. Never lose your childlike faith. 
going to let you into a wee secret this morning. Um, some of you maybe know this, but maybe some of you don't. There was a time in my younger days, I'm pushing on a wee bit, I'm 50, but in my younger days, Don and I had thought at one point about not having children, deliberately thinking about not having children. And one of the reasons was this, for me personally, because I had never been fathered, I often thought, how can I know how to father? So thank God that we changed our mind. I wouldn't be without my boys. Love them to bits. But there was a time when I thought, how can I do this? Then I got friendly with a, a, an amazing guy called Tommy Goobin, a Nazarene minister, and watched him loving his boys. When his third wee boy was born, we looked after his boys the night before. His mom went into the hospital. We were first there the next morning. I got to change Craig's first nappy. Lovely. And um, now he's over 22, and I remind him every once in a while I changed his first nappy. And all of those things. And all of a sudden, when I'm holding this wee boy who became my godson in my hands, I'm thinking, I want one. I want one. But you know, as a dad, when my boys were growing up and they were away, and they would look up at you, and something was broken, and they would go, Daddy, can you fix that? And I would look at them and thinking, wow, you're incredibly stupid, thinking that I can actually fix that. Or is it just because you have got an immense sense of faith that your dad can fix it? I am human and I fail, and yeah, there's stuff I can't fix. But see, Father God, he knows how to fix it. Church, he knows how to fix it. Let's never lose our childlike faith. To believe that Father God is able to fix it. Let's be a church of people who will just believe God at his word and that God is able to do it. And then we find in verse 16, and this is what we're going to close church. In verse 16, it says that these people came and they were astonished. Surprised at God. Church, you know, in our future, at this point, as we enter into our second year, I pray that we'll never cease being surprised at God. Oh, that we'll never cease being astonished for what our God will do in us and through us if we just believe. that what Father God will help to create in us, how he will mend us, and how he will impart us with his giftings and his blessings, and how he will help us do the very call that he called us to do, was to see people won to the kingdom and brought into discipleship. Church, let's not lose our childlike faith The Father God chose us and Father God will use us for his honor and for his glory Father thank you this morning thank you Lord that no matter what we face that even though at times we may feel hemmed in by our circumstances we may feel hemmed in even by the attacks that we receive in life but Lord we thank you Lord that there is a place of quiet rest 
near to the heart of God. Father, forgive me for at times when, Lord, instead of sleeping calmly and peacefully in the assurance of your word and your love, I've taken, Lord, what I left on the altar back of you and worried about it. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive us, God. Lord, help us to believe your word over our lives. Help us, Lord, not to lose that childlike faith to know that you are a God who's able to do far more exceedingly abundantly than what we can even ask or think. Lord, move mightily upon it. In Jesus' precious name.